Open your eyes. This is the life we chose, the life we lead. And there is only one guarantee. None of us will see her. This is Hardcore Podcast. You just heard Live It Down. This is a new band out of Ohio. The track is called Sentence. Off the Last Judgment demo, Bob Wilson and Rebirth Records hipped us to this. I'm going to link you to this one. Absolutely fantastic. Standout example of what happens when a new band takes a classic sound, especially in something that's very dynamic, to a specific area. Nothing is more specific than that integrity, ringworm, face value, Clevo hardcore sound. These guys did it absolutely perfectly. Hands down, one of the coolest demos of the year. And so we're capping it up on the show. Hey, real quick, it's been really hard, man. Life ain't easy. Ups, downs, left, rights, some black eyes, some bad news. Life issues have held me back. The timing to make shows like this happen with my daily work schedule, jujitsu schedule, and the amount of shows in Philadelphia fucking hardcore leave me with very limited amount of time. I'd like to spend a special shout out to everyone who reached out and thanked me for shows and kept me motivated. This is coming out almost instantaneously after we recorded it on Thanksgiving Eve. 
This is another short one. Sorry. We're going to get to the bigger, longer ones. I've just been overworked, man. Driving 150 miles one way or round trip every day, six days a week. And trying to find a time that works with a West Coast schedule has been hard. So I might wrap this shit up a little sooner and just go back to the East Coast and just try to pop this West Coast stuff up. I try to do more. It's getting to the point where I'm getting disappointed in my own self for not having the time. And so I can't just keep not putting shit out. But I also just don't want to ramble on for one hour every week and you guys get fucking bummed too. So a lot of new stuff's going on. A lot of stuff happening in the Philadelphia hardcore scene with cool shows coming up, cool bands, changes to some of our shows. And so therefore, I'm just going to let everybody know right now that... We have done our best with the Keystone Hardcore Jam to continue it and make it be as badass as possible. But obviously, you know, we're not able to control some of the stuff that went down. You to today, Ray is a very busy person. He has a crazy schedule. And obviously traveling to Europe is already hard enough. And I think he had the opportunity to go to Europe and do the things he does with his yoga training and his yoga seminars and his retreats. I think he was smart enough to do that before things get even crazier, so they pass on the opportunity to play. Thankfully, our friends in E-Town Concrete stepped the fuck up. Thankfully, we were able to call upon the kings of Pennsylvania hardcore in wisdom and change. Thank you to everybody for understanding that Anthony Communal can't make killing time happen right now. There's a lot of stuff going on with his health, and with COVID, he's got to play on the safe side. So, killing time bowed out. And our brother Scott Vogel stepped up with Buried Alive. So the running order from top down, E-Town Concrete, Wisdom and Chains, All Out War, Death Threat, Buried Alive, Rude Awakening. This is the second of two East Coast shows that will be playing first time back in fucking forever. Cool Hand, Shattered Realm, oh you know how that's going to go. Strength for a Reason, Buried Dreams, MH Chaos, Shackled, Face Wrecked. Age of Apocalypse, Bushido Code, Carry by Six, Raw Life, Off the Tracks, D-Block, Street Struck, and Hesitate. This is the who's who's of who's coming up, who's kicking ass right now, and who's kicked ass for fucking decades. If you're not here, I'm fucking sorry for you. I'm going to keep the rest of this pretty short. Make sure you go to phillyhcshows.com. Thanks for everybody who supported all the shows that Bob has put on, myself has put on. We got so many more coming. It's going to be a great fucking end of this year and an insane beginning of 2022, which is crazy to think that we're at 2022. Make sure you get your tickets for Keystone Hardcore Jam. Make sure that you go to the website. Make sure you check out the double shows with the Acacia Strain, Kublacan, Year of the Knife, Orthodox, and Dying Wish, One Night at the Church, One Night at Underground Arts. Scow, Ended, Fixation, C4, at Philly Mocha, Sunday, December 19th. I just hung out with Scow in California. Insanely great band. Even better people. Absolutely fucking fantastic. Don't miss that one. We have so many more come up in 2022. The calendar is going to get updated. So much coming. Thank you for the support. Thank you for giving us the opportunity by being an amazing supportive scene so we could put on these kinds of shows. You know, we're always thanked. Thank you for putting on the show. Thank you for the fucking support. Thank you when you have work in the morning. Thank you when you have to manage the way to get from work to the show, whether it's going to college, 
Your support keeps these shows happening. So we're thankful that we work symbiotically. So we give you good shows and then you in turn give us the res- uh, respect and the support. Thank you. Also, while I'm in a thankful mood, I would like to thank 185 Miles South. I would like to thank the Post America Podcast. I would like to thank the Broadsheet Breakdown. I would like to thank Jamie Ork Show. I would like to thank the Neanderthal Society. I would like to thank anyone who has ever said a positive word about This Is Hardcore Podcast and anyone who spreads the word about hardcore punk on their podcast in general. Big shout out to fucking Hoya Rock. The motherfucker was doing a podcast before a lot of us were, and he's still ripping and rolling. Make sure you give that man some love and support. Support hardcore podcasts. Support hardcore culture in a positive way in the, in the way that we're able to. You know, we're not always going to be at the top of the food chain in these mixed media applications like YouTube. So when someone's doing something good and giving people props, I want to give props back. So big shout-outs to all of you. Now, again, it's Thanksgiving. I say the same thing every fucking year. And it's important. It's important so you understand this. So for those of you who don't follow me on Facebook, I'm just going to read you what I wrote. This is the beginning of the holiday season. Look to what you have. Not what you see posted on other people's pages. There's a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be proud of. Don't try to measure your self-worth or happiness against what it is projected on social media. No one posts the shit that isn't glamorous. You'll never see a screenshot of a bank account in the negative, an empty fridge, or an unreturned message, etc. Look to what you have in front of you what you have accomplished, or just the simple things that make you happy. This is what matters most. And if shit isn't going right, no big deal. It's not the end of the road to not have a picture-perfect holiday. There is a lot more to life than a few special days and the presentations that come with it. I am thankful for everything that that made me who I am today. The good, the bad, the ugly. I love everyone who's remained in my life, but all of those who have responsibilities that place them a little bit further away from us physically. I know that they're a phone call away if we're needed. Be kind to yourself and don't let social media rob you of the blessings that are with you. This is the facts. People project the image that they want to be seen as, but nothing's perfect. Don't look on this shit and feel that you are without because you don't have these things. If you're listening to hardcore... If you're going to punk rock shows, if you're part of this fucking community, you have something stronger than the average fucking person will ever understand. And to put this message home to you, to show you that the simple things matter most, the things that you might overlook count so much more than you could potentially understand. I brought on my brother, one of my favorite people in the entire universe, who has been there before there was a day one, before all this stuff started happening, was just there as a kid in a minor threat shirt at the L station that I gave a flyer to. And we're talking 27 years ago, and he's still my number one. If I book a show, I get excited. Sometimes I don't even tell him, so I just drop it. So he calls me and goes, what the fuck? I love him. I know you're going to love him. I just can't wait for you to hear this. This made me so happy. And on Thanksgiving, when we all need a little pick-me-up, we're going to go with a little short episode and an introduction to 
the world's greatest supporter of hardcore that few people have ever really gotten to know. Mr. Joseph McHenry of Philadelphia, baby. Let's fucking go. We are talking to my best friend in the fucking world, Joseph fucking McHenry. If you listen to anything from any number of this is hardcore podcast episodes or the Broad Street Breakdown or even just me, Richie, and G, or even Richie probably brought you up on Post America at some point, you are uh, a fan favorite amongst us all and no better person to talk to on Thanksgiving about hardcore and things to be thankful for. So I'd like to start off by just telling you that through all the years of us being friends, as we've been friends before the beginning of This Is Hardcore, anytime I'm doing something, if I tell you about it, you get me so hype. And you are one of the greatest cheerleaders, one of the greatest motivators, just by keeping the flame for hardcore going and anytime I'm upset about some deal or scene bullshit or just the politics within booking shit, you come come so many times across as like the ultimate lover and supporter of hardcore punk. And you always make sure to get my brain in perspective of how the people who it will enjoy the work that I do, how they feel. And besides being one of my greatest friends, Besides being someone who was there in so many ups and so many downs, I mean, we watched our kids come up. <laughs> You're got a kid now who's almost out of high school. I mean, we've been through so much together. I just love you, and I'm just thankful for you, Joe. What's up, Joe, man? Thanks, man. I appreciate all that, man. Uh, it's good to talk to you, man. Love you, too. So, obviously, all the years of you going to shows and just being our bro. There's always been awesome shit that we've been through, but I got to know over all the years, what do you think the most thankful thing you've been for in the world of our Philly hardcore punk thing? Like, what do you think is the stuff that makes you most thankful for? Just, uh, I guess the friendships that we make, that we meet like through hardcore, you know what I mean? Not just with you guys and everybody we grew up with and stuff like that, but just people in general. I mean, you know, we're friends with a lot of people from all over the country, all over the world. And that's all through hardcore, all through music, you know, friends with Niche in London, you know, guys in Boston, California, like all over the country, you know, you know, people like us, Philly, we don't even leave our neighborhoods and, you know, to, to have friends all over the world and country, you know, it's pretty crazy it's because of art or because of the music, you know? So I don't know if you know this, but I set you up because I knew exactly what you're going to say. And <laughs> on my mind all night, uh, after I ate with hardcore and his uh, girlfriend Rose was just how to explain to people what people like us are about. Like, I don't expect people to think that like, the world of Joe hardcore is anything different than any average person in hardcore. I go to lengths to try to explain the mundanity and banality of my regular Joe McKay life, but there's a simplicity of being a Philadelphia person. And especially one from our neighborhood, like you said, and for guys like us, we're union guys. You're getting up at four in the morning. I'm getting up at four in the morning. Uh, we got families, we got kids. 
And yet this music that we fell in love with as kids, it, it brought us to the point where we really have friends in other countries. And we have people that we know thousands of miles away because of this music. And um, you, especially someone who got into the union world pretty early on in your life, you know, you were still able to take, take on that tour in 2004, a blacklist's first tour. And I just love that hardcore was able to give you that opportunity to go out there and go to California and go to Canada, even and, and, and on anything like blacklisted's first U S tour, you know what I'm saying? So like, I appreciate you uh, explaining that for us. Yeah, man, <clears throat> that was great. Um, before I joined the union, you know, I had an opportunity to go out on tour, you know, because of you and blacklisted, you know, you put together that tour. It was us and blacklisted pretty much across the whole country. And, um, because of that tour, you know, I got to go across the whole country. I got to see things. And I've met, and since that tour, I've never traveled that far again. Like, you know, I came home, I had a kid, I got married, bought a house, joined the union, all that stuff. But, um, that tour was, um, just being able to do that, go out and, you know, you watch movies and you see like these where the people are driving through the desert and there's this tumbleweed come down, you're going down these roads and there's just one cactus and you, you know, unless you see that in person, you think like, ah, oh, that's only in the movies, like shit like that don't really exist. Then you're out there. It was great, man. We got to go to Canada and that was before you needed a passport to get in Canada. It was great just to do all that. And with your genuinely friends, like people, we, we were all friends. I mean, everybody was in bands and stuff, but we were all friends before those bands. And it was great, man. And me being the only guy that drinks on a, on a tour with all straight edge guys was pretty funny. But it was great, man. It was a, a great of, experience. A lot, of drink ticket, a lot of drink tickets for Joe McHenry. <laughs> yeah, it was great. But now it was great, man. Just like even um the couple of days before even leaving for that tour, building up, getting the van ready. You know, we were all hanging out at your house on Brill Street in Frankfurt. And we all scuppy, you know. It was great, man. Just traveling, traveling the country with your friends. And, you know, we were, we were kids. It was awesome. Seeing bands, you know, hanging out, meeting all new people. It was great. I remember we stayed at Juice's house. He took care of us. You know, we all went and made these big spaghetti dinners and stuff. It was awesome. It's like a, um, I, I tried it. I've said this a couple of times on different podcasts, but Philly, you either go up the mountains or down the shore. And that might be 100%. all you do. Unless maybe your family goes to like Disneyland or something. That's all I do now. I don't even go to Disney. In <laughs> the summer, I go to the shore. I go to the Poconos. <laughs> That's so you know, great. You go to North Wildwood or you go to the Poconos. I think uh, that that was great, man. I was, uh, I still talk about that. I mean, I look at pictures, you know, we got to go to the showcase show. uh, It was at the showcase theater in LA. Hell yeah. Yeah. That was great, man. Sacramento hanging out, Mikey hoods and all. It was awesome. It's one of these, it's one of these things that I look at and, um, you are for anyone who doesn't realize like, you're if if I could ever describe a Philadelphian, I would just put a picture of you up. You are the penultimate example of a Philadelphian. From I remember accent, on that blacklist towards your George would just be like, dude, you're such a neighborhood dude. You're such a neighborhood dude. <laughs> but the thing is, is you're such a regular ass neighborhood dude, but you're also one of the most punk rock motherfuckers in my entire life. 
Yeah, it's like, pretty crazy. I try to think about that sometimes, like how we even like found hardcore and punk rock. It's weird. Well, it's like, so our little neighborhoods, I mean, we lived five L stops from each other <coughs> in the mid nineties and that bus or that L station trains linked all of our friendships together. Yeah. And it was like, whether it was like, I remember we went to Amber playground one time and I, 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 we didn't run into you guys, but they're like, yo, a bunch of the dudes that go to shows like drink back there. I was just like, look, I'm like, where do these guys drink at? Like, cause we were, yeah. walking to, we were walking down Castro on the way to Aramingo. And it was like something out of the Warriors for us. Cause I came from Frankfurt, but I was hanging in Juniette at the time. Yeah. And I'm with, I'm with like George and Paul and we were at the water ice spot and we were going to go down there. Like, Oh, yo, all the Amber dudes, like, you know, they're really into punk rock too. And I'm thinking like, well then why don't they come up and hang at the Creek with us? Like up in, um, Pacoli. That's what yeah. we, you know, like, and I never seen you guys up at the um either at the playground or Piccoli, but I always knew that there was young punk rockers from the neighborhood. <laughs> and it was yeah, we were like just whole, like lingling by ourselves, man. Yeah, just drinking beer and listening to GBH. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh I did that show and no authority played, and a bunch of you guys came out. And uh to me, I mean, Joe, that shit was fucking like legitimately 25 years ago uh in a year it's 24 years ago <laughs> it's insane man when you think back on it and all and i remember like we always once we knew like you guys were doing shows at holy innocence and all we knew there were like other kids that were out there that were into the same stuff we were in it but these were also neighborhood kids too you know what i mean so it was like we were all the same people we just didn't really know about each other because we were and we were only separated by like a neighborhood you know what i mean but um and what people One. don't realize, Joe, it's like the neighborhood to us. It's like probably like the way that some of these kids who lived in like not a city had to drive like 10 minutes to Target. That's how like how short of a drive it was away. But for, yeah, for, us, in our, for us in our early teens, <coughs> that, that was like literally like you got to go in a whole pack. Otherwise, you might get fucking fights on the way, you know? Yo, for real. That was like a big deal when you were younger, like going into another neighborhood, especially if you really didn't know anybody. And I remember like the first time we went to them shows and all, we didn't know nobody. We all just stuck together and stuff, but it was great. Like you were, cause you got to think about it, man. I mean, a lot of people you meet in hardcore and stuff, What I mean, it's not against them at all, but none of them are from the neighborhood. They're all from the suburbs or outside the city, like Jersey, they come in and it's, it's just different growing up. You know, when you meet people like, just like you, like who come from the same background, they have the same kind of family life and stuff, you know, and just understand what it is like growing up in the neighborhood. So once we found out you guys were doing them like holy innocent shows and stuff like that, and then we start going in there and then we start clicking and then Beanhead, you know, from Blacklisted, he's one of my best friends in second grade. Once he joined No Authority and then we met Rocco and Mark Fisher and it just, we all just start like mingling, I guess, you know? Well, that's, that's part of it, right? Like I, I look at like we were talking about a lot of this is going back to like what we're thankful for. It's fucking serendipitous. Like it's a CD, it's a tape, it's a song, it's a weird friendship that you make when you're a kid, and it could completely change the outlook of your life if you get that bite, you know, like yeah, for sure. You brought you brought, you brought up the Zelensky, uh the Zelenskys, the Fishers. You know, like our neighborhoods were dominated by either like solo people like me. I didn't have a brother or whatever, but like 
the, there were brothers, like, you know, the Bogans, <coughs> like there literally was people yeah. that rolled in packs of brothers, you know, like yeah. obviously the, the Bush Ercolano clan ran deep. Yeah. Jane Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, um, I made so many connections by linking up with Steve and it just happened to be that we were on the bus coming home from a show with Carmen and Steve knew Carmen from Junietta and Carmen was living in our neighborhood. And that's how me and Bushy got linked up. And so it's this thing where we were already metal kids on the path of punk rock and hardcore and through Carmen linked up with Steve and Steve was already ahead of us. He was a neighborhood dude, but he was starting a little bit fuck with us to fuck with downtown. So that was our link to bad luck. But yeah, so I many people Steve everywhere at all the shows. And I remember like in the early nineties before, like I, I knew you, but we didn't, we didn't really know each other, but I remember when my family moved from Kensington up the Northeast, like I would take the bus, I would still go down the old neighborhood and hang out and I would take the bus to go back home. And I remember being at Bridge and Pratt and you coming up to me, handing me flyers for shows. Cause I would have like a band shirt on and you would see me. So yeah, man. It's a weird thing to think like, why did, why did it stick with you and not like, like, obviously I guarantee you Mark and like the Zelensky's, they still listen to the bands they like, but like, dude, you, you, you raised a kid in a, you know, in a relationship, much like all of our families where they get, you know, you and your wife separated, but you still were a father. You made the point to be at everything for your son. You're a fucking union man. And yet you were still such a big part of hardcore through your life. What do you think? Like, what do you think got that deep into you where you didn't let go the way so many people that were friends with who still fuck with hardcore, but they became like regular city neighborhood dudes. You know, I, I kind of just had this conversation with uh, Marianne, punk rock Marianne the other day. We went walking away to Hicken. And we were talking about like older people and like people used to go to shows with and all. And I was like, yo, what's up with them people? Like, you know, because I mean, I never stopped going to shows and I don't see them people at shows anymore. We were just like talking about that. And you know what, man? I really can't, I really don't know what it is, man. I just always loved music. I always loved punk rock. Like as soon as I found punk rock, I was never really into music before I found punk rock. Like my family never really listened to music or nothing, you know? So like the first music I kind of found was punk rock. And like, it wasn't the punk rock that I'm listening to now or that I fell in love with, but it was stuff that like got me into it. So I don't know, man. It's just going, I, don't, I just love the music. I loved like the message. I loved everything it was about. It was about working class, you know, it was, it was real to me, you know? And it wasn't, it wasn't a phase that I caught when I was a kid. You know, I don't go to shows as much as I would like to, but, uh, you know, I, I still, I live like a teenager. If you see my house, I have framed posters all over my walls. I, I still buy records, daily books on, on the culture. I just, it's, it's, it's always been a part of me and it just never left. You know, I've been in love with this music, this scene, probably since I was 13, 14. And as I got older, I started going to more shows and I just got fell in love with it. And I just, it's a part of me, you know, I just... Now, I remember seeing an interview a long time ago with Vinny Sigma, and he was like, how do you outgrow, like, a culture? Like, how do you outgrow something like like this, like, something that you are? Like, you can't. It's it's who you are. So, I mean, I guess that's the only – I mean, it's kind of corny and, like, cliche, but, I mean, that's the only answer I could say. Like, it's just – it's who I am. It's, it's who i always been, you know? I'm still a neighborhood guy, but I just love this music. I love, I love the scene. I love going to shows. I love meeting people. And that's like the main thing about all this, like the friendship it brings, like the people you meet, you know? 
I mean, look at all of us. We would have probably never even met each other if it wasn't for music. And, you know, we're all, these are my best friends, you know. That's, again, that's exactly what I was looking for out of you. It's a thing for me where, um, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, hard. To, I can't really say like why I like like why I gradu- like gravitated to it more than other people. Like how they got older, they just kind of like checked out. Like they're still into it. They probably listen to it in their car, but but they're not around hanging out. They're not going to shows. I don't know, man. It's just it's just who I am. You know, like you take the music away from me, like I don't even know what I would do. You know, if I'm not at a show, I'm home reading a book. I'm on YouTube watching a video, an interview. It's just. This is who I am, you know? Well, it's like the thing. So, like, uh, two weeks ago, actually, no, almost a month ago now. Shit, that was a quick month. You know, a month ago, you're at Comeback Kid on the Thursday night. You got work. You're. I was actually so, on vacation that week. That's right. You were on vacation. That's <laughs> right. You're on vacation. I would have been there anyway, though. And we're sitting at the door. It's everybody hanging out. And you're like, ah, I wish I could go to Murphy's Law. I just got to see JP. JP is Joe's son and the love of Joe's life. Joe's a, one of the most super dad committed fathers of all of our friends. And uh, two hours later, you got a couple in you and you're like, fuck this. He's got to see <laughs> Jimmy Murphy's law. And that's the nature of Joe McHenry. It's not like it's, it, 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 it would be more weird for you to not want to see your son meet Jimmy Murphy's law and see Murphy's law. And, and I know it's because the culture and the people in it and the music respond so deeply in you that you wanted JP to be a part of that. And like, dude, Jimmy was such a prince to your son, man. It was fucking oh, he great. Was great, man. And to see like, you know, if JP could see, and now he's like a teenager, you know what I mean? So he can get like a lot of the humor that Jimmy talks about and all. So for him to like, see that band, like, like if anything, like Murphy's all, you know, Jimmy Gestapo, like one of the greatest front men ever, you know? That was great. And it was on Underground Arts. It was a cool venue. It was great, man. Jimmy took him back, walked, came out of his dressing room, walked him up, got him a T-shirt, you know, told him to take whatever he wanted, took pictures with him. He was great, man. It was awesome, yeah. though, you know. And I, and, I'm, and I try to explain to JP, like, yo, this was a band I was in love with. I was like, yo, I mean, I still love Murphy's Law. Like, how I, would, I used to see them all the time when I was younger. And, you know, but he ain't into it like I am. And I don't try to push it on him either. But little by little, I, like, try to, like, expose it to him, you know. Well, that's the thing, right? So, like, if if you, as a parent, if you push your kid towards it, I feel like if your parent pushes you towards something, if they're any bit punk rock, they might push back. Like, my kid, exactly. When she, when she was JP's age, she was kind of eye-rolling me and, like, whatever, dad. Like, this shit isn't cool. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to listen to Man Overboard or whatever the fuck she was trying to listen to. But, you know, now that Kayla's 24 and she's back around, oh, her ass is like, around, man. And, and that's the thing is, and that that's the thing is, like, <coughs> she grew up in outside the city and then came back to city when she's, like, seventh, eighth grade, and it became a big part of her me and her struggle was me not wanting her to become a neighborhood girl. So I tried to expose her to the culture and we had some pushback, but now in her mid twenties, she's becoming her own woman. She has her place where she can feel comfortable. And now yeah. hardcore is to her what it was for us. And I think, you know, it's, it's tough to say, cause you know, everybody's going to live their own life, but I think you did the right thing with JP by not being like, 
you're going to go to every single show and you're going to learn every fucking word. But you were kind of hands off, but he knew you were about. I bet there's music that you guys were listening to when you're playing Madden and movies he checked out. When oh, well, every time he's in my car, like he's probably heard every hardcore band and all. And I was probably like, yo, do you like this? Sometimes I'll say no. Sometimes I'll get it all. It's all right. But my main thing is that it's kind of want to expose it to him. You know what I mean? Like just show him, show him that there's other things out there than what he's listening to. Like, yo, you don't have to like this. But just know that there's something else out there, you know, and if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. But you know what? Like him hearing it his whole childhood, you know, he might do one day like, yo, I know that song. Like that band's pretty cool. Let me go check them out, whatever, you know. But yeah, just try to expose him to it, you know. Cause like he listens to like like radio music, I guess. Stuff his mom will listen to, like Travis Scott. I don't even know the shit he listens to, but you know, with that kind of music, like you can't. Like the singer's not coming out and taking a picture with you and taking you out to get you the t-shirt and all. Like, you know, he was like psyched about that when we left and all. He was like telling his mom on the phone, you know, that's cool, you know. And that can like really change the way you think about things, you know. Well, that's what I was gonna get to is I think a part of you now, let's get let's break down some Philly stuff. So uh, neighborhood, neighborhood shit. There's a lot of neighborhoods in the city, but our neighborhoods we just call neighborhood people. You yeah. know, um, and they're they're not unlike the New York boroughs, but I think in size wise, they would all fit into one if we really had to break it down. But there's little nuances to all the neighborhoods. But the average neighborhood dude just goes to work, maybe has a favorite bar, maybe have two favorite bars. <laughs> He's got his girlfriend or his kid's mom. Most of them smoke cigs or, you know, smoke weed, yeah. you know, there's a certain way. There's a couple different archetypes, like a way a dude dress. There's the neighborhood dude who never takes off his work clothes, even if he's out with his friends. Then there's the dude, my neighbors right now. <laughs> <laughs> or you got the other dude who the minute he's out of his work clothes, he's got like the, the cleanest sneaker, the diamond, everything, you know, like you trying to bling it up. But meanwhile, he's living in a row home with his mom, you know, Yeah. and, and, and we're simpler people, you know, like it's kind of funny is our neighborhoods not are not unlike English neighborhoods because they were built around the industrial factories. So the row homes are small. You got the corner bars kind of like not unlike the, the local pub. Yeah. And so, you know, like we have all the different seasons. You got the Eagle season, the flyer season, which somewhat overlaps into the Eagle season. Yeah. You got the dudes who are just like Phillies fans. You got to, you know, the weirdos like Bob Wilson who love basketball, love the 76ers. <laughs> But the average neighborhood dude either loves one sport or all the sports or the dude loves something weird like cars or something like fishing all the time. Is yeah, there anything else I'm missing? What do you think I'm missing out of the neighborhood dudes thing? Nah, man, you hit the nail on the head. It's basically right. I mean, you know how this town is with the Eagles. Like you used to hate booking shows on Sundays when the Eagles were winning because <laughs> You know, I used to call you up. and I'd be like, do you think the kids aren't going to come because the Eagles came? <laughs> yeah, when the Eagles were winning, like when they were going to all them NFC championships, man, it was like, I remember there was a couple of good shows. I missed you stay home and watch the games and all, but. You crumb. <laughs> and then I remember then you were like, yo, we're going to have the game one at the show. I'm like, all right, we're going. <laughs> but, you know what the craziest I mean, show, you know what the craziest show that we didn't have a shit ton of people for? Uh, we did Breakdown. With the Eddie Leeway show at uh, Voltage, or not Voltage, at uh, the Barbary. Do you know why this show didn't do as good as it could? Eagles. The last episode of Lost. <laughs> oh, my God. I never even watched that show, so I don't even Bro, know. Bro, I didn't even know it was a fucking thing like that. 
That's wild, man. Yeah, I didn't even, I never even heard of that either. That's crazy. But I think it's, nah, man, you hit the nail on the head and like, we're like outcasts, man. You know, it's crazy because like I live in Port Richmond now and you know how Port Richmond is. It's starting to get gentrified. Like people that can't afford fish town are coming here. I remember being like a kid walking around with like Gnostic front shirt or something. I was like, it was like a weirdo. Now you walk around, it's crazy. You see all these kids with like band shirts in the neighborhood. It's crazy, man. I like it. It's cool, but you know, it's just well, let's touch it's just on that weird. real quick. Let's touch on that. So you said about me flying to people who had band shirts. And that's really that's really yeah. the whole thing, right? The whole yeah. thing is that when we grew up, if you had any kind of shirt on, because we're all different neighborhoods, there's Frankfurt, Mayfair, Junietta, Kensington, Allen yeah. Yard, Tarsdale, Moss, because different playgrounds, there's Moss Playground, you know, you got uh all the people that lived in uh uh what was it um remember like Yo, think about all these neighborhoods remember hildebrand what were they called uh what was that neighborhood it's like right near lawndale lawndale and fountainville like yeah. all these every neighborhood if you were a neighborhood kid and you saw somebody with a t-shirt you were like oh shit he's one of us like oh, we're dude, all that in the was neighborhoods deal, man yeah that was a big deal. I can, I remember I had a minor threat shirt on that day. You came up and gave me that flyer. And I knew it. I was like, yo, the only reason, because there was a ton of people standing there. You came up to me and handed me that flyer. I forget who it was. I just remember you going to the other. my boys band from California. They're coming out. I wish I still had the flyer, but I know I had a minor threat shirt on, but I'm, that's the reason why you came up and handed it to me, you know, as you should, you know, but it's crazy. And if you think about it, like all the neighborhoods you just mentioned, I mean, besides maybe one or two people, if that, besides like us, Amber guys and all, and like you, Jay, and all the Juniata guys, we were the only ones that were all in the, in the punk rock in the whole city, pretty much. You know, I remember going to shows and I would see all these people. I'm like, yo, where the fuck are these people from? Like, I never see these people around. You know what I mean? But man, it's crazy. I don't even know like how we even, like, because we were just neighborhood guys. There was nobody around us that was influencing us in the punk rock. Like, I remember being as brother came home from college and they had a VHS. And it was called The Year Punk Broke. And it was like Babes in Toyland, Sonic Youth, Nirvana. We thought that was punk. So we were like, yo, we're punk rock. We're punk rock. But then as you get older and you're like finding out more and more shit, you're like, yo, this really isn't punk rock. There's more aggressive shit out there. And like, so we didn't have like really any hold. I mean, until we met like older guys like Jamie Davis and stuff like that. But before like that, we really had nobody to show us. So we were just going as, as we could, like finding records, finding... We'd read the names of like who people were thanking and we'd get that record, you know. It's different now though. Like you you'd buy a record and it would suck and you were stuck with it. Now you can just go on Spotify and listen to anything. So a lot easier now. I always uh we were talking about you a couple of times on um the Rule of Three podcast. And in fact, I was telling a story, Richie told a story. I'm not gonna tell you all the things, but I gave you mayor props for what you did for me. But you had a special relationship with the OG Jeff just because you would go down south oh, yeah. and talk records with him. Yeah, man. Um, I remember I would, yeah, I would, I would go to Reaper Records and he would, he would work there and I'd be in there looking at punk records. And I remember we would just start talking about shit. Like, I don't even know how it started. We'd talk about the exploited, everything, GBH, Broken Bones. And it wasn't until like years later we were at This Is Hardcore and he came up to me and he was like, yo, didn't I used to know you and we used to talk? I was like, oh shit, oh yeah, but yeah, man, he's the man, dude. I would I would be in there for hours just talking about music with that guy. And then here now he's like one of my friends, you know? It's crazy. 
Well, that's that's that goes back to this whole thing about being thankful. Music, like, man. Yeah. The music, to me, and you said this thing about Spotify, which is where I was getting at. It's like uh, there was Pat's music before it went up to uh, Frankfurt and Continent. It was down before Church Street. I remember, yeah. And that's where I was getting a lot of my tapes. And then you know, it all this is serendipitous. You know, a tape leads you to another tape, leads you to another band. Taking the train or taking the bus, you link up with someone. Yeah. My life is different because of this music. I got to travel the world. I got the opportunities to be exposed to all these different things that, you know, 20 plus years later, I'm still reaping the rewards and feeling excitement and inspired by bands now i'm listening to bands like this band uh live it down from cleveland bob just put out on this thing these motherfuckers sound like the best version of integrity and ringworm and it's like now i'm rocking out bands who are taking the best elements of the bands i loved i'm like dude they're doing this again this is fucking great that's the thing it's 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 crazy like there's so many good bands coming out right now like like and it and it's crazy because the most the, the two people that put me on to all the new shit is, is OG Jeff and Kevin Hare, and then her, they're two like two totally different like from age groups apart. You know what I mean? OG's the OG, and he still like knows about every new band coming out. He's always sending me shit. Yo, check this band out. Check this band out. Same with Kevin Hare. So, and it's like every band I listen in pretty much right now is all new shit. You know what I mean? For a while, I was just listening to all the old bands. Killing time breakdown because I really didn't like anything that was coming out. You know, I listened to a couple of podcasts, like you were saying, uh, talking about like early 2000s hardcore. It was like a lot of like new metal and all that shit. Like, dude, I couldn't relate to none of that. I mean, here and there, there were good bands popping out, but not like it is now. Like, I think hardcore is like a really good place right now, man, with like all these good bands coming out, like you were just saying. Well, that's the whole gimmick. It's like, I I we wouldn't obviously have this conversation if it wasn't for this music. Yeah. I got I got I I feel lucky and I feel inspired today. Like um I, this is two years in a row of me eating uh Thanksgiving Day dinner with Hard Carl, someone who I never would have met if I didn't find these bands and we didn't link up with Bushy and head downtown. Like it's yeah. all these crazy roads that if you just didn't take the road a little bit further our lives would have been so much different. You know, like in 1998, I was probably one of the worst years of my life, but Chris DeSoria was taking me out on the road to Boston and Detroit. And then in 99, I got a job at ninth at Fairmount Tracy with my uncle uh, laminating uh, basic uh, like commercial office furniture. And Chris is like, Hey, do you want to go on tour? I literally quit my fucking the most grown up job I've ever had. I quit it with two weeks' notice. I remember talking to Scott Vogel at the Stalock, being like, dude, what do you think tour is going to be like? He's like, you'll be fine, dude. Don't worry. Like, I thought it was like, I'm asking, <laughs> at this time, I've never even flown, I've never even flown in a plane before. It's probably <laughs> never left the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> well, that, that was it. If it wasn't for, I mean, like, my mom took us down the shore twice. We went to the Poconos once. And then I started traveling to see my friends play hardcore bands. I've done yeah. more traveling 
because of hardcore. And I never, I've seen more things, friends with more people because of these fucking, this fucking bands and these fucking things. And it's like, it's our, great. like just me and your friendship, like, uh, from just being Philly show dudes and neighborhood dudes to being crew brothers and just, we've been through a lot of life stuff together, man. Like we've yeah. been through a lot of weddings. We've been to funerals. We've seen our friends give birth to their children, you know, like yeah. it's the highs, highs, the lows, lows. Like Jay had, uh, or remember I had a christening and then we had to go and work the show at the church, you know, like, <laughs> like we had, uh, someone else had a christening and then we had to go and fight these Nazis. <laughs> the fucking <farmer. laughs> it's like, it's like, we're going from suits to trouble or suits to this. Like yeah. our, our lives have always been entangled and I, and it makes me happy. And this whole thing, this podcast and why I hit you up. I was like, yo, can you do this with me? It's because when I say it, from an error, like an error of, uh, you know, from a place of simplicity, it's like, um, you know, I could have never left the Frankfurt basement and just play Dungeon Dragons and listen to metal. And something got me out of that, man. And- yeah, I, I agree, man. I feel the same way with the playground. I would have been stuck hanging in the playground, you know. Yo, but I, you I tell if you- you're still on anger. Let me let me <laughs> think of it. If you were still just drinking with Russ. And re-rob and just sitting there in amber still, just like oh my god. But that's punk rock, man. Like it 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 took us out of the neighborhoods and opened our eyes and showed us the world, you know, pretty much. And you know, same with you, like you got to tour Europe and all. I remember you did that with Shadow Realm, dude. That was great. Like I was like, dude, that's so awesome. You got to do that. I got to travel the country and stuff. Like, no matter what, if I never even get to do that again, but I got to do it at that time with my friends, you know what I mean? broken down on the side of the road of Texas, just talking shit. You know what I mean? Like it was awesome. Like Yo, the, punk rock did we... that, the music did that. And you know, it's, it's and like, not even just going to shows. Like that's great. The music. Remember all, the wiffle ball like, games in Salt Lake city when no one knew what wiffle ball was. <laughs> Yo, Salt Lake city was a fucking weirdest place I've ever been in my whole entire life. <laughs> it was great. I mean, I'm not talking shit on it. It was just, uh, it was totally different, man. I mean, you take an able dude and we're in fucking in Salt Lake City. It was crazy. But yeah, so it was great, man. I remember we were heading to, um, who was the dude from Pantera? Had the strip joint in Texas. We're on our way there and we broke down. We were oh, all yeah, bummed yeah, out. Yeah, yeah Vinnie Paul. <laughs> but yeah, Yo, dude. But, let me like, ask you, let me ask yeah, you something. Could you imagine if I would have said to you the day I gave you a flyer, one day, you're going to be standing next to all the Cockney rejects after the show, hanging out with them for an hour. Never, never, never. Watching Cox Bar Soundcheck, dude, it it's crazy, man, you know? All so, because of the punk rock, the music, you know, all of us meet. And that's what I was about to say, like, yeah, going to shows and, and the music, all oh, that's great, but, like, how about, like, the all, the, all the dinners we do afterwards, you know what I mean? After a show, we all go to the diner, we all go to David's, you know what I mean? All that just to hanging out after like every fourth of July, we're at Mike Barletti's barbecuing all day, swimming, shooting off the craziest fireworks. You know, it ain't like we're just all (laughs) (laughs) crank drunk, calm like Dijon. You know, it's that that's like the memories. That's like the the you know, that's all because of the music, you know, all the friendships we 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 have, you know. Yeah, it's like you know, um, I post this. I post this thing. And I always say the same thing. I usually say like, 
you'll never see an empty a picture of an empty fridge. You'll never see a screenshot of a negative bank account. Right now, when people are on the internet, they're seeing families and food and everybody together. And not everybody has a family like that. And some people feel like they were ripped off of something. And it's like, you know, um, my mother survived and beat cancer as of four years ago today. You understand that like chemo free, chemo free for four years. Um, my sister is the mother of three sons. I, you know, like she's a great mother. The boys are killing it in Bridesburg. You know, yeah. um, the things that we need to look at aren't the physical. You know, I'm not going to pull some John Joe's up, you know, abandon the physical shit, my man. Like, no, I'm not saying <laughs> that, but I'm saying this is like Thanksgiving. Yo, Hart Carl, Mike Bartletti were like, yo, make sure you make sure you know you have a place to eat at my house. Come, you know, like if I called like if we called the people that we really love and know from hardcore, yeah, they would be there quicker than our own families. And the access and exposure, our boy Ernie said that on this podcast. <laughs> you know, the access and exposure to this music created lifetime opportunities for us to see beyond the neighborhoods. And so, you know, um, yeah, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for hardcore. I'm thankful for the opportunities it gave me, the friendships. But like the simple things you just alliterated to, it's like, how many times do you come down to a show? Like whether it's I'm working the door and it's Bob's show or it's Bob's show and I'm working the door. How much just hanging out with everybody is just fun? Ah, oh, dude, it's great, man. How, you know, how many hours did you? Sp- how many hours did you spend outside getting drunk of the <laughs> outside the electric factory outside the uh, uh, too many transfer. times? But think about it, like all this is hardcore. There's so many opportunities to catch up with friends. Like all of this is our lives, and dude, I, that's I a just, family like, reunion, man. This is hardcore, you know. It's four days of just hanging out with fucking people you don't ever really not just hanging out with our friends but like people that travel from all over the country the world that we just don't really knew, knew normally get to see you know it's, it's great i love that i love that whole week man you get me so excited when i'm stressed because you bring up all the positive shit you're like dude just think this person's coming to town this person's gonna come <laughs> hang out and, and it gets me excited because like i have so many things in my head and i have you i have joe McHenry to basically remind me of all the awesome sometimes. And it's like, I just, dude, sometimes I think I'm like a weirdo for it. Cause I like, I'll even say it. Fuck no. I'm like, I'm like, yo dude, like I'm going to be 40 years old in April. Like, should I be like having like all these posters and shit hanging on my house? Is this like normal? I'm like, fuck it, dude. Like, you know, but it's who I am. Like, it's, you know, it's what I do. Like, I don't know. Well, like what you do is an inspiration and a motivation for me because like I tell you, I'm doing a show. You're like, fuck yeah, it's going to be great. Or like, you remind me like, dude, I can't wait for this record. Like because of you, I have like a, a, a like a, a energy boost or a flow of serotonin, like boom. All right. Fuck yeah. McHenry psyched. I'm fucking psyched. You know, like it, it's an important, it's an important thing. And like I was saying, there's so many hardcore kids that sometimes lose sight of just, the fact that hardcore punk makes us not not completely special or completely different, but we're a part of something extra. You know, yeah, we're not sure. square. Most we're not squares. Yeah, I mean, and you know, me and you have pretty much normal everyday live jobs. You know, like yeah. you drive a you drive a beer truck around, 
you know, and that's a very union kind of job for this area. You know, yeah. you know what we do. And and so it gives us, I mean, like this music, these shows, these friendships, going out to eat with everybody, like that's the stuff that just makes my life so much better than if I just stayed in some basement playing Dungeons and Dragons my whole life. Yeah, man, it, 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 it like gets, gets me psyched when I know a show's coming up or something because it gives me something to look forward to. And like I said, when I like know a show's coming up and ain't like, hey, it's cool, I get to see that band. And it's like, all right, cool. Like, I know we're all going to get dinner afterwards. We're going to hang out and shoot the shit outside the show. And, you know, it's it the, the music, it's always, it's always about the music, but it's more than the music, you know what I mean? Like, hardcore's given me so much, you know? friends like everything dude you know my life you know everything i do is revolved around hardcore pretty much you know like you're talking about like yeah we're, we're like the, i'm in the team so we're all these like union dudes you know i work with dudes that are younger than me they're calling their wives or old ladies and like they go home and just don't do shit like what you do like i tell them what i did over the weekend I'm like what the fuck i'm like you know what i mean we like you're right we do have like our own little thing you know it's well i know you gotta go to bed I, I busted your balls to get you on the show. I'm going to ask you three questions. I love you. I just wanted to have a little quick Thanksgiving Day thing. I was going to do good, some man. solo shit, but you've been a fan of this hardcore podcast since day one. You you and the G call me every week and let me know how you feel about episodes. You're the greatest supporter of punk rock and hardcore. I said it on Twitter. I said it on the podcast. There was a time when you only had an agnostic front record and a picture of your son on your entire house walls. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, um, uh, I've been through so many ups and so many downs. Me and you personally have gone through so much growth together. And I love you more than most people. And love you too, brother. I, I, I want to know three things and I'm going to get out of here. All right. Let's do it. This is going to be hard because we're only going to do number ones. There's no twos. All right. So we'll do it quick. You got it. Your favorite punk rock band? My favorite punk rock band. Got one. Not only punk rock, right? Punk rock. They exploit it. Your favorite hardcore band? Agnostic Front. Your favorite Philadelphia area hardcore show of all time? Ooh. My favorite Philadelphia hardcore show of all time. Fuck, man. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Like, you're on the blind. Oh, Cox Bar. Hands down, the first Cox Bar show. Cox at Union Transfer. The Cox Bar Wisdom and Chains or the Cox Bar Street Dogs? The, the very, what did, was the, did the Street Dogs play the very first show? Yeah, that was a Thursday night. It was Cox Bar Street Dogs Paint It Black. That very first show because. I've been a fan of Cox Bar since as, as far as I can remember. And I remember when they came to the U.S. in like the early 2000s, they played Boston and New York, and we didn't go. I didn't even have a driver's license at that time. There's no way I was buying was sold season. out, and we were on the West Coast when they were on the East Coast. I, ne exactly, I never thought I would have really going to get to see them. I remember you told me you were trying to book them. You were running in all kind of problems. It took a long – I don't know if a lot of people know about that, but it was a, it was a long time in the works, man, to get that show going. And just that first show to see them, I remember we were at the fucking front row singing everywhere, like hands down, that was the best show ever. I mean, every time I seen them was great, but this that first time I seen them, that was my favorite Philly show ever. Joe McHenry, I love you. 
Uh, I'm so Me thankful too, that on Thanksgiving, I could talk to someone who c- continues to make me and remind me to be thankful for what hardcore gives us all. And I just want you to know that all the things in this world, I will always thank you for everything you've ever done for me. And now with this podcast, I'm able to tell the entire world how much you mean to me and how much I love you. Well, thank you too, Joe, man. I appreciate that. I love you too. I love everything you've done for me personally. I love, you know, the fact that you're such a good friend and does everything you've done for hardcore, you know? And yeah, I appreciate everything, you know. I'm glad we met and we're really good friends, dude. I love you. Oh. You're my brother. Well, I look forward to bringing you on more shows, eventually get you on the rule of three. And I just want to, we talked about you enough. I just want to expose you to the world. So world, you just met Joe McHenry and this ain't the last time we're going to have you on the show. All right, brother. You have a good night, man. Good night, brother. Take care. All right, Joe. Thanks. Later. Well, this is what this is all about, man. I said to you in the beginning of this, that there's so much to be thankful for. Yes, just listening to this podcast gives you a leverage in a fucked up world because you can put on music that can uplift you and bring you out of bad spirits. I, You know, I try to eliminate the sappy stuff and I like to keep some of my life private. But these aren't good times for me. They've never historically been good times for me. But I am uplifted knowing that I have had so many opportunities because of hardcore punk. I've met so many amazing people and I feel gifted with the opportunity to do these things. You know, I left Philadelphia Friday night into Saturday morning to to fly to California to see two shows in a row. I flew home. Eight hours later, I'm back at, at work like it was nothing. Didn't tell anybody at work besides my boss who knows me really well and was there at the beginning of all this stuff about the show. I was like, oh, it was a good show. That's it. It's my secret. You know, hardcore is something special. It's a culture. It's a community. It's a family. And we are there for you. If you fucking hear this, I'm there for you. Hit me on the Instagram. I'll talk you through some bad shit. You know, um, real quick, Scotto from Harrisburg killed himself. It's a guy who's been going to hardcore shows for 20 years. Friday, January 8th, there's going to be a benefit show for him. We're going to be posting more stuff. It's fucking heartbreaking. We keep losing people to suicides because they don't feel like they're connected or they've lost their place. I'm telling you this a million times over again. If you listen to this shit, if you feel this fucking shit the way we do, you are a part of something that we love you for, and we will be there the best ways that we can. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you for sticking with me. I'm sorry for the dead space. It will not fucking happen again, and we are going to put some rippers out and make up for it. So thank you, and until next week, peace.